Hi, welcome to Slixy Snailcast, where you can find us on Spotify, Podcasts, or just look us up on Simplecast and we'll show up on any platform. And we release episodes every Wednesday morning. And today we have updates in tech with Joaquin Angulo, which is me, and then my host, Luciano Garcia, and also Xander Larson, and Tanatsane Corral. And today we are talking about Cobod, aka 3D printing houses, and like Xander it. is bringing in electric cars. Today we are discussing the new hardware that can make housing cheaper. They use considerably fewer materials, which cut costs close to half with a 45% cheaper construction. How do you feel about that, Luciana? Well, it means it means like it's going to be really good for new houses, right. especially because what I've seen is that the materials are supposed to make the walls thicker mm-hmm. than normal at least what benefits could that provide well i mean it can make it so it's harder for heat or cold that's inside already to come out mm-hmm. which just has been said to be like the case in this interesting since the housing cost should be reduced for the consumer do you think the pricing will stay the same and increase profit or will it be cheaper for the consumer themselves I think it might be cheaper based off like that they're not using so much, I guess, materials. Right. Do you think that like real estate agents and stuff will take advantage of that and make it more of a profitable thing than more of a cheaper for the consumer? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess they might make it so they're not going to maybe up the price, mm. but they might sell them faster. Like, right. Okay. Use that. Based off right now, they're making it a lot more expensive. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to like really get them out quick. So if they're just constantly making more 3D printed houses, they might just go out with making them out quick. Mm-hmm. Interesting. How much do you think a like fully 3D printed house would possibly be? Uh, for a fully 3D printed house, the estimated cost would be around 250k. I read on the internet like it would be about 700k for like a or like 700 dollars. Like a smallish house, like an apartment size one, but like with all the utilities, it'd be a lot more money than like just that alone. Yeah, but that compared to normal houses now, it's so much greatly reduced, which is so good actually. And that's a lot cheaper and somewhat better for their environment too. Yeah, and it's said to be the houses that are three D printed are said to be really efficient and like a lot more stronger because they're made of like the same material all around. How sustainable are these houses, actually, compared to the ones now? In terms of sustainability, the University of Woodbury, and specifically their School of Architecture, they had a college project where the students made a sustainable house, and one of these houses was a 3D-printed concrete house. And with their house, they they added solar panels, and they were able to make the water system be recirculated from the shower to the toilet, so it's pretty sustainable. The sustainability can also be used for the carbon emissions and keeping it carbon neutral by how much time is cut down. 3D printing a house is 20 times faster than normal construction means, which can very much help with carbon emissions, especially because it's easily transported by location instead of on-site construction. What is Cobod's design philosophy when it comes to the consumer, Luciana? Well, it's said to have been that for the consumers, it depends on what type of house they want. If it wants to be mm-hmm. modern or like, I guess, however they want it. Right. It can be 
how they want the design could be to what they actually like decide to have it as mm -hmm. so it can be really weird <laughs> but also r really it can really look like a normal house every right. step of day do you think it would look any different from a normal house depends if they want it to like if we we're driving on the street and they the consumer wanted a normal house from what i've seen on pictures is the outside looks basically the same right it's the inside that it looks like a bunch of lines through the walls interesting are the lines on the wall like wood or more of a like a plasticky look they're more of like a like a cement type of look from the materials that it's made from interesting but is it cement or is it just like it's wood? like a it's, it's like a mix of a bunch of different materials into it's one like some kind of rock some cement with Rose Park, we have many plots of land that could be filled up to help our housing costs in Utah. So we should advocate to see if there's any way that 3D printing could come to Utah and get those housing costs down. So to have these plots of land clear up and be used for 3D printing would help our costs quite a bit. All right, so we're gonna go off to Xander and your, ve your electric vehicles. <laughs> Yeah, so like with the 3D housing, if you want like an electric vehicle with like sustaining the like power of the earth or like some crap like that, you can keep like the electric vehicle in your garage with your 3D printed house. So like if you have a like one of your electric vehicles like a Tesla or like a Subaru Ford something like that, you just keep it in your garage. And like if you keep it in your garage, it will like save you more money. And plus on gas, if you have gas bills like that like especially expensive gas bills, you can use the electric cars to also save you some money here and there. How sustainable are electric cars and vehicles? They can be pretty sustainable except for some Teslas because they occasionally have, a, they occasionally blow up. So like they'll occasionally blow up, like the batteries will like decombust or diffuse and then it will like light up the ignition and like the engine of the car and like the circuits and stuff. Are these cars considered reliable? Uh, it's a yes and no factor because, like, through the internet and, like, some news productions, you've seen, like, the car Teslas have blown up. Teslas have blown up and stuff. And then with that, like, the price of, like, some Teslas are ungodly. And especially the interior hasn't been updated since, like, 2014, last time I checked. And here we have Culture Cuts with Henry, Arturo, and Gabriel. Thanks for tuning in to Updates in Tech. Thank you, Tech, for the introduction. I'm Arturo, and on Culture Cuts, we have our spirit special. With me, I have Henry Hi. and Gabriel. What's up? This week at Slixie, it's a special week because it is our spirit week, and each day has a different theme. Monday is anything but a backpack day, so you can use, like, a bucket, any other kind of bag or anything that's just not a backpack. And Tuesday, which is today, is pitch black day, where you're supposed to wear only black clothing, even though it is kind of hot out. And Wednesday we have PJ day, so like just your pajamas or anything you'd wear to go to sleep, you can just wear that when you come in. And for Thursday, it's throwback Thursday. Wear anything from past decades, like 2000s, like 80s, any decade you want. And on Friday, even though it isn't actually Halloween, it's our day to dress up in Halloween costumes. On Friday is our Halloween festival. And Henry, does everyone have to participate, or is it just a grade thing, or how does it work? Um, it's every grade, and I, I believe, like, you don't have to wear it. It's your choice. 
but you're encouraged to. And I think each grade, if they like count how many people are doing the special theme each day and give each grade points, that's what they did last year. So I'm guessing they're gonna do it again. And what do you get if you like the one grade wins or something? I really don't know. Last year my grade didn't win, so <laughs> we got pretty close, but we didn't. So I didn't ask anyone who won if they actually did get anything. But I'm not sure. If you could make your own spirit week, what would be a theme for a day that would get you engaged and actually wanted to do it? Something Batman involved. <laughs> <laughs> um, but based on video games or something? Oh yeah, that would be a good one. Like a video game day, dressed up as your favorite character. Yeah, like um, Mario. Yeah, you can also do that on Halloween. Like on the Halloween dress up day. <laughs> They're meant, it's meant to be whatever costume you want. Like, it's not theme-specific. It's just your Halloween costume. It can be anything. Yeah. What could Slixie have done to make it so more people knew about the Spirit Week? Because all we have is just one sign. And I, I've been talking to a lot of people, and they've said, oh, I didn't even know it was Spirit Week, or I didn't know it was Blackout Day, or anything but a Backpack Day. What do you think they could have done better? I think they should have at least, like, had teachers spread the awareness of it because I had not a single teacher left <laughs> tell me that it was Spirit Week, so once Monday came along, it was real off. Yeah, I noticed a lot of people like just wearing the regular backpacks because they didn't know. Yeah, not a lot of people knew, but the people that did, yeah. they, brought, they brought different stuff. The reason Spirit Week is good for our school is because we don't really have any sports teams that we actually like celebrate. We have a biking team, but not many people know that's a part of Slixie. And it's good to have some spirit just for our school, even if it's not spirit for our teams. So I think Spirit Week is good. So on Friday, while people like dress up and everything, are they going to have something going on? Or is it just like you come to school dressed, you just yeah. leave dressed? <clears throat> I mean, you come to school dressed up, I'm pretty sure. And uh, after school, though, since it's a half day, we get a little bit of extra time like after school. They're doing a Halloween festival. I don't know what happens every year. It's a little bit different. But like in the past few years, they've had like snacks and a movie going on in the auditorium. And like a couple other things, fun things to do. Like a costume contest. I know they're doing that this year. If Spirit Week could be different, what would you change about it? Yeah. Uh, I, I really don't know. I feel like... Some of the days are just kind of lazy, like, I don't know, blackout day. Because, I mean, a lot of people already wear a lot of black, so it's kind of just a like, easy one to go through. But like the anything but a backpack day, it's kind of fun to see like people just carrying weird objects around with other stuff in it. Like some kids had tires, someone had a body bag. Did you see that one? <laughs> Bringing the whole... Yeah. A wheel, just a whole complete wheel was yeah. outrageous. But like stuff where you do, like not just like, oh, just wear all black or wear your pajamas. Or, I mean, like throwback one could be kind of fun. I don't know. Do you think teachers would participate in it? Uh, yeah, I don't think the teachers would like did the, anything but a backpack day, probably. <laughs> but some teachers have been wearing black. I didn't really notice, I've been not been paying attention. But I feel like for Halloween and Throwback Thursday or PJ Day, people might, because those are like, I don't know, a lot of people are gonna dress up for Halloween. And pajama day is pretty easy to do. You just 
don't change out of your pajamas when you wake up. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And that's it for the Spears special of Culture Cuts. Thank you for listening to us. And now, going on to video games with Roman, Zen, Cole, and Will. Thanks a ton to the goobers at Culture Cuts, Arturo, Henry, and Gabriel for passing it off to us. We're so excited to be here. My name is Roman, and these are my co-hosts. I'm Cole. I'm Zen. And I'm Will. And welcome to Games and Garbage, episode five. Yes. Yeah. We're doing it. We're... Really hyped about episode five. Halfway to the double digits, baby. Oh, yeah. Today we're talking about a few things. Yeah? Yeah. 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 Gonna start off with my segment, Gaming News. Uh, This week on the news, we got... Uh, some Fortnite news. Apparently, according to leakers and also hinted at by Epic Games, they're going to be bringing back the old map after this current season, uh, November 3rd. Um, they're going to be going back to season 5, and we're going to have that map, that loot pool. We're going to have all the same mechanics. It's going to be like you're playing season 5. Uh, this is hinted at by Epic Games with. In the game, there's a time machine, and the date is set to the day that Season 5 started, and a bunch of reputable leakers are saying that, yeah, we're going back to Season 5. Um, season 5 of what chapter? Chapter 1. Oh. Yeah. Okay, that's actually really exciting. Can yeah. you explain chapters? Yeah, so, so for those who don't know, uh, so a season in Fortnite is like a big update. They have one every few months, and after a certain amount of seasons, it depends. It, it varies, but... After a certain amount of seasons, we switch chapters where we go to a new map. So we've had chapter two, chapter three, and now we're on chapter four. And each of those different chapters has had a different map, but none of them have been as well-liked as the original map with uh, season one. And a lot of people have stopped playing the game because they don't really like the new chapters and the new seasons. So I think that bringing us back to season five is going to bring back a lot of the old player base. I think it's going to make the game a lot more fun. So could you tell some non-Fortnite players like myself... And me. And, yeah, and Cole, a little bit about... um, uh, what makes this map so special? What 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 happened on this map that, that players loved so much? Also, what makes the new seasons and chapters in the new map bad for some people? Yeah, why why are why Explain. is one so good Explain and one so those. bad? What's what makes a map good? Um, I think, to be honest, a lot of it is nostalgia for the old map. But I do also think that there's not really an objective way of measuring it. But I think that the old map had a lot of better places to land, a lot better locations. I think that a lot of the times when I'm playing the current season, I look at the map and I go, "Where are you?" even supposed to drop on this map because I don't think that there are really any solid places to land versus on the old map almost every place is a good place to land and there's no real objective way of measuring that but that's that's my opinion and I think common opinion with a lot of people okay and uh, how likely do you think it is that this will come true, that that map will be re-released? Also, um, before you continue, I really felt that nostalgia blindness statement. Like, that's for real. Even I get that. Yeah. Um, I think 100%, at least in some capacity, there's going to be some Season 5-related content. But I think in terms of what leakers are saying that we're going to be going back to the old map entirely, I'm saying, like, 95% chance because Epic Games are hinting at it. I think that they've also been sending some things to, like, creators that are also hinting at it. There's some objects from the old map that have been going onto the current map, so they're heavily hinting at it. And leakers, the thing with Fortnite is that like with a lot of games, leakers are usually wrong, but with Fortnite, they a lot of the times pretty much say exactly what's going to be in the game. 
So leakers are pretty reputable usually with Fortnite, so I think it's pretty likely that they're going to be right this time, especially with Epic hinting at it. Yeah, but who are they, and why are they reputable? Um, some of the leakers in particular, I think one of their names is like Hypex. They're reputable because, you know, they're usually not wrong. They, you know, for years they've pretty much just been saying, here's what's going to come into the game, and they're pretty much always right. And he's supporting this. Yeah. All right. So that was very interesting, uh, talking a little bit about Fortnite. Let's talk about Forza a little bit. Uh, Cole, tell us a little bit about what's going on in the world of Forza. So the new release of Forza Motorsport 8 has seen a few issues. It's released this month. Obviously, as a AAA game, it is always released unfinished and will be so for at least a year. Release now, fix later. That's the point. That's the motto. That's the... Yeah, that's what every AAA game is doing these days. Yeah. They released an update today, on Tuesday, October 24th. They will fix one single problem, that, which is a hotfix, quote, This hotfix will help mitigate an issue, where players would encounter an infinite loading screen while saving a quick upgrade in the Builder's Cup intro series under variable network conditions. And this is only one of many problems that Forza Motorsport 8 has. I found a user review where a person used some very beefy computer components and the game would still drop below 30 FPS during wow. gameplay, uh, which yeah. is really bad. That's really bad. Especially for a racing game. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want to play that with like any game. No. So just for a little bit of context, in case you don't know, FPS is frames per second, and the lower yes. it is, the... Uh, Choppier. It begins to look like a slideshow. If you create a huge sphere of TNT in Minecraft, and oh, you yeah. let it go... That's and the then classic PC stress test. I think that's how... Did any of you ever have Kindles? Kindles from Amazon, those I, little tablets? I have had one. I think that's how my Kindle broke. I think, <laughs> I, think I, built a, I think I built a massive TNT orb in Minecraft. Yeah. Pocket edition. I've had the and game... Like break and it's just like raining TNT and for like <laughs> twenty minutes. I've recorded of that of it. Just... It's like a slideshow. Yeah. Back to Forza Motorsport Eight. Some other user complaints would include jagged graphics, pixelated messes, and also the track disappearing under your wheels, becoming <laughs> transparent. I haven't personally played Forza Motorsport Eight very often, but I do see this in Forza Horizon Five quite often while I'm playing it. The AI or as I'd say, NPC. It'd be insulting to AI to call those AI. They'd break mid-corner and then you'd run into them or they'd be super aggressive and run into you. But yeah, among many other issues, like cars go flying in the air, which happens sometimes. If you want to go flying, it's not a flight sim, but if you really want to, you know. Just, <laughs> it can be. Yeah, just, just yeah, glitch, uh, yeah, glitch into the back rooms or you go up into the air, it's really fun. Stop paying for flight simulators. Just yeah. get Forza Motorsport 8. It's two in one, baby. We talked a little bit about um, Minecraft earlier. I'd like to revisit that with uh, some discussion of the uh, Minecraft mob vote. Um, I believe you guys talked about this last time, we right? We did. And I, said the, and, and I said the armadillo would win because everybody has wanted dog armor forever. And yeah. So the armadillo would blow everybody out of the water. And you're well, right. The, he's right. The Minecraft mob vote is over now, so let's take a minute and talk about the aftermath. Let's talk about stuff that happened, a little bit of a retrospective. Yeah, the armadillo did win. To no one's shock. No one was surprised by yeah, that. I'm, I dis think, I'm disappointed, but not surprised. Yeah, I think everyone <laughs> thought the armadillo was going to win. I was a crab fan. I was a penguin fan. Yeah. I forgot got, which one I liked. We got robbed. <laughs> we got robbed. But anyway, um, so some crazy stuff happened there. Lots of people made um actual propaganda posters. Um, 
and were sending death threats to various people uh, relating to their opinions on the Minecraft mob vote. Some people wanted all three mobs to get in. They were very angry about the concept of the mob vote in general, thought Mojang was being... Mojang is the company that makes Minecraft. Um, thought Mojang was being lazy by only adding one mob into the game, and so they, they had the idea of uh, making big propaganda posters. <laughs> one of their arguments was that Minecraft modders, the people who make uh, add-ons for the game, can make much more content than Mojang releases in every single update in a much shorter amount of time. Which is a reasonable argument to make. However, Mojang does have to um, work on stuff like parody. They don't just make it for one version. I am going to say, we were talking about Fortnite earlier. Uh, aside from like two different versions, Fortnite is also on every platform. And like I was saying, Fortnite has big updates every few months. So I don't know if Mojang really has an excuse. That's reasonable. I think, that's, I think that is a very fair point. Um, uh, t to be clear, though, uh, I, I don't think uh, Mojang should work as hard as Epic Games. I, I think that there is an in-between where Mojang should fall. I agree. I do agree with you there. I think the, the content they've been giving us in updates recently has certainly been lackluster. However, I would argue that they shouldn't, like, overwork their developers in any sense at all. Twitter really is where um, most of this stuff has been happening, and... Uh, as most people know, Twitter is a horrible, horrible place. Um, cesspool of degenerates. Yeah, I also, of I also... Degenerates, almost as much as Reddit. Um, <laughs> almost. <laughs> it's like the LA of the internet. Um, <laughs> 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 but anyway, um, uh, on Twitter, uh, death threats for anyone who had a differing opinion. Here's something interesting. Uh, petition to cancel the mob vote and put all three mobs in game got half a million signatures. Yeah. Nearly half a million signatures. Something that's just common sense. 470 something thousand. Uh, 470 something thousand signatures. Everyone was kind of feral. Um, everyone was acting a little bit rabid on Twitter, uh, yeah. except for except for except for the penguin fans. Those guys were being really cool. I don't think I ever saw a penguin fan say anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And they were real. I know Penguin fans existed. I know some Penguin fans. I'm I'm one of them. Yeah, but I feel like they yeah, were see, not nearly chill. as adamant. Yeah, I'm and so like, chill. You are so chill. And it's like, yeah, but I feel like Armadillo and Crab fans really needed to calm down. I did not end up... Did you guys ever vote? I did not end up I, voting. No, I did. I was there on the day one voting for Penguin. Day I'm, one voting I'm for I'm the penguin? number one Penguin fan. Number one nice. world... World number one fan. You're also the world's only Penguin fan. If, if, if Penguin has one fan, I'm one of them. If Penguin has zero fans, I'm no longer alive. If Penguin has a hundred fans, I'm one of them. If Penguin has ten fans, I'm one of them. If Penguin has one fan, that is me. If Penguin has no fans, I am dead. Exactly. Yeah. You mean it doesn't persist through death? Penguin. Actually, that's a fair point. <laughs> Being a penguin fan in the afterlife. Um, Preaching to Abraham Lincoln about how he should put, uh, vote Penguin <laughs> in Minecraft. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, dude! Please vote for the Penguin! Sorry I'm too busy being the president of Mars. That's a really good reference. Only really cool people will get that reference. We are begrudgingly and lackadaisically handing the talking stick to those at the sports group. What's going on, 60 Snails? Welcome back to another podcast sports segment with, of course, your hosts, West, Isaac, and Morelli. Thank you very much to Video Games, Roman, Zen, Colin, Will, for giving us a nice introduction. Today, we're going to be talking about disc golf. It's pretty similar to golf, but uh, obviously, instead of like hitting a golf ball, you throw a frisbee. 
I think it's a pretty interesting sport, and because we have this course just down the road, figured it would be a good thing to talk about. So let's just get straight into it. Isaac, what are a couple of the rules that come with disc golf? You cannot have a broken, oh, thank you for the introduction, West. And you cannot have a broken Frisbee to play. I mean, obviously. And it's just like golf, like the lowest amount of throws is better. So if you have like 19, another person has 20, 19 will win, obviously. Right. Bradley, who are the best players in disc golf? Um, the top five best players are Eagle McCann, Calvin Hamburg, Paul McBeth, Simon Lizzo, and Isaac Robinson. Uh, where are you getting this source from? Like, where are you getting that from? Disc golf world rankings. So, let's talk about a little bit of the history that comes with disc golf. So, according to discgolf.org, 1966 was really when the first disc golf started, like the first disc golf tournament started to like really pop up. How you play disc golf is basically you throw a frisbee, and it's pretty similar to golf, but the hole pretty much is, it's like a little, a little bucket kind of, in a way, that kind of stops your frisbee and catches it in there. So like you can throw your frisbee and get it caught. Yeah, there's like a net um, in there. Exactly, yeah. So basically, in 1966, it started to become a little bit more popular, but in 1974, it became a like recognized sport, and a lot of people started like really like using it to like have fun, just regular stuff like that, you know what I mean? So I think it's pretty interesting. What about you guys? Yeah, and here are some of the other rules. Like according to DGA Disc Golf, you have to like remain, like, I mean obviously just like golf for a person, like if you're watching, you're supposed to remain quiet for if someone's the thrower is going to make it. And do you think disc golf's hard? Well, I've played frisbee before. I don't know. Um, I played disc golf like a couple times. I don't know if it's necessarily hard, but like sometimes right. getting like more precise throws, a little bit more difficult because like obviously the target that you're going for isn't going to like move and catch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. When I throw uh, frisbee, I just try to throw it as hard as I can. Yeah. What about you, Morelli? Have you ever played with frisbees before? Um, I've played with like frisbees, but I've never played disc golf. Yeah. yeah, I've never played disc golf. Yeah, there are actually a couple of different kinds of frisbees that you can use. There's like four main ones. There's the speed frisbee, the glide frisbee, the turn frisbee, and the fade frisbee. All of them pretty simple. Obviously, the speed frisbee it's meant for like going more uh, like quickly, fast. Obviously, That's cool. the glide um, it's more like it's meant for like longer distance. You know. And all of those different frisbees, they kind of like, they have different shapes to them, you know what I mean? How do they have different shapes? They're like, some of them are curved a little bit differently, some of them are more flat, others are a little bit more round. It's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, a lot of interesting science behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just really rad. Yeah, I really wonder how they make different shapes for frisbees. Yeah. Another rule is like, a like to make it into, to count as like, like you make it, it has to be in the basket. It has to be suspended in the chains. Like, it can't go out, obviously. Like, if it hits it and it goes out, that does not count as making yeah. it. Yeah. Apparently, one of the ways that disc golf was really invented was actually quite a while ago on a summer camp. There was a counselor playing golf, and he saw a bunch of the other kids playing uh, with Frisbees, and he thought, oh, well, that's pretty interesting. I wonder if, like, well, they could combine it, you know? And they did, and they tried it, and the kids actually really ended up loving it. So they, in it took, like couple hundred years for it yeah, to like really obviously. finish off you know what i mean right. but like now nowadays it's like a full-on sport and back then it was just like a bunch of kids throwing frisbees around you know yeah. what i mean so i think that's pretty cool yeah and i don't know if you guys know this 60 students but next term was it next term or 
Yeah. One of these true. next terms in advisory, Mr. Maurer has a disc golf class. So right next to the school, there's a disc golfing course. Yeah, so it's like right next to the library. Go into there. Go into his advisory if you want to play disc golf. Super yeah. fun. You guys should learn about it. Yeah, I think it would be pretty fun. And then Morelli. So obviously, this sport's been around for quite a while. Do you think there's like a skill that like comes with it that like? Do you think people are like topping out on the skill level that there could be, or do you think that people could get even better? Yeah, you could get better over time. Like you could obviously like start playing and already be good at it. But I feel like the more you like play it, the more you learn, you could get more skills. Yeah. I also think like to be better. I don't know if this is true, right? But you have to also obviously have a good arm. So right. I wonder yeah. if like even like baseball pitchers could be good at it because yeah. some of them throw really really hard. Yeah. I mean they can but throw it's like you can really, throw a really frisbee far. really far, but like. If I throw a frisbee, I'm trying to throw it straight, but I throw yes, it like so 90 degrees yeah. off to the right, you know what I mean? It, it wouldn't really make any sense. Yeah. So, I'm sure that it would take a while, but, right. you know, it could be pretty fun. But, yeah, there's going to be a advisory next term, frisbee golf, disc golf. Uh, that could be pretty fun. Uh, I think there will be, like, a good amount of people joining it, especially since it's so close to yeah. the school. Sign up now, too, because if I bet you it's going to be sold out pretty fast. Yeah. Really, did you know there was going to be a disc golfing advisory? Um, I didn't know until Mr. Alex told us, but I feel like that's that's a cool thing because yeah. I feel like not a lot of kids know about disc golf, so they could try something new. Yeah. yeah. And I think West, it's pretty important for a lot of people to is try there like new a, things. Um, there's like a professional, right, disc Oh, golfing? yeah, there's professional disc golf. Yeah. There are people that are like... Yeah, I it's think like, it's like a world championship. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's you like get paid set well? on a golf course. I think you do get paid pretty well. I'm not too sure because it's kind of like a more out there sport. So I don't know if you'd really get paid as much as right. uh, like baseball players. Yeah, it's not sure. that well known. Yeah, yeah. exactly, because it's not as well known. Oh. But I'm sure you still get paid a good amount. Go in the advisory class if you want to go in the world championship. Yeah, for disc golf. Sounds good. Um, think about it, you guys. I think that's probably gonna have to wrap it up for today's. Uh, podcast. I really appreciate everybody listening. We all do. But we're going to have to pass it off to Creative Writing with Hazel, Olivia, and Lewis. Their segment, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Thank you so much for listening, and see you next week. Thank you, Morelli West and Isaac, with the sports segment. Sports are great. Kicking balls, running laps, stabbing each other with fencing blades. But one should always keep in mind, the pen is mightier than the sword. Hi, I'm Hazel, and I'm all alone. Today we're gonna to be covering creative writing. It's not something you can learn overnight. Creative writing might seem easy at first, but it's hard, it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, but there is no correct way to write. You can write however you want to. Grammar rules are more uh, suggestions that would make it more understandable for your readers. But I mean, in my opinion, you don't really have to follow them. Today we're going to be spinning a wheel to like choose some topics and then I'm going to write a short little tidbit about those things that were chosen. So first we're going to be picking out genre. Genre is a general basis of what the story is about. Like a genre example would be fantasy, which is my personal favorite genre to write. Other examples would be science fiction or nonfiction. So the options we have on the wheel are fantasy, action, sci-fi, and nonfiction, And we're going to roll it to see what I have to write. Wow, would you look at that? I got fantasy. That is so convenient, guys. Wow. I swear I didn't rig it because I didn't. Next, we're going to choose which person this story is written in. Um, 
For the sake of simplicity, I'm going to do the three main ones. There are uh, first person, which is told from an I point of view, second person, which is told from a you point of view, and third person, which is told from a they point of view. So an example of first person would be, I was walking across the street. Second person would be, you were walking across the street. And third person would be, he was walking across the street. So the wheel has decided I have to write first person. And then here's where I normally would decide how many main characters the story is going to have. But um, since it's first person and I don't really like working with first person, we're going to keep it with just one main character. And now we're going to decide one of the arguably most important parts of writing the story, um, the setting. The setting is where the story takes place. Like if it takes place in America or Canada, or if it takes place in a world of your own creation. It's the time period it takes place in, the 1940s, present time, 10,000 BC, far in the future. There's endless possibilities, so narrowing it down to what you want the setting to be is extremely important. To keep things simple, I've narrowed the setting down to four general options, uh, a forest, a city, a beach, or a small town. And we got a forest. Creating a story is a lot more complicated than I will um, go into here because we don't really have much time and I need to write the segment. So I'll just leave it at that. The first person fantasy story in a forest. Okay, I have finished my writing and although it is short and probably not that good, it will give you some kind of idea of my writing process. I pulled the branches apart to peer at the creature before me. It seemed like a fairy, small and pink, translucent wings similar in appearance to that of a butterfly's. I stared at the thing with wide-eyed wonder. Mom had always warned me to be wary of the fairies. The fae will steal you away, she said. Hey! I jumped back, startled, as the creature turned to me. Hello! Hi! Can I have your name? It chirped. I didn't speak, for fear it would take me away. Hello? What's your name? Can I have your name? It drew closer, peering through the holes in the bushes. Do you have a name? Names held power over Faye. They said that if you ever figured out their true name, you could have complete and utter control over it. If they figured out my name, it would have complete and utter control over me. I stayed silent. Maybe it would leave if I didn't respond. Maybe it would get bored and wander off to find a new target. One could only hope. And that's all I wrote because we don't really have time and writing takes a lot of time. So that's it. And, as you may have noticed, this was the final segment for today's episode. Um, if you couldn't remember, or you didn't know, this has been Slixie Snailcast. You have been Slixie Snail Listener, and we will see you next week.